Well, it's good to have you. Everybody feeling okay? Yes. Nice, lively bunch this morning. It's good to see you. If you don't know, tonight is the Super Bowl, and if you don't know what the Super Bowl is, let me just inform you. It's like a really big deal here in America. Uh, And so I want to do something to get us started today, um, just to see where everybody stands. Um, I want to know who you're rooting for tonight. And if you don't know what's going on, there's the Patriots, which is a football team in New England, and there's the Falcons, you're another football team in Atlanta. And I just want you to scream out who you're cheering for as loud as you can. You ready? One, two, three. Sounds like uh, we found something America can all be united about. <laughs> Hating the Patriots, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a winner. Nobody likes a winner. So um, it's good to have you guys here with us today. Um, looking forward to it. Remember to check in on Facebook. Tell your friends about what God's doing in your life here uh, at the church, and we're just we're thankful you're here. Looking forward to what God's going to speak to us. I love football. It's no secret. I talk about it sometimes. Our staff, um, which is is mostly made of females, but um, they always look at me when I'm using all these like football illustrations and like, why do you do this? Why do you do this? I'm like, I'm informing you in a very way that is not relatable to you at all. It's terrible. Um, but I always use football analogies. Played football my whole life, and really just love love the game and and. The Super Bowl is really unique because they get an extra week to prepare. There's a lots of preparation that goes into it, and it's just the biggest, it's one of the biggest things that happens in the life of America, like where everybody does the same thing, whether you like it or not, you watch it for the commercials, and so much like chicken wings are sold in the same day, and so it's just this big national phenomenon, and there's some, they, go, they have an extra week to prepare an extra week to kind of put things together and in place. And if you don't know anything about football and you just start watching a game, it looks like just mass confusion of guys running all over the place and like quarterbacks like screaming and tapping their head and like making monkey gestures and then coaches flapping their wings and guys running to the line like 15 yards and then backing up five yards. And ju- It's like, what are you, what's happening? But everything is on purpose. Like every fake signal has a purpose behind it, and there's intention. Like even when they're making stuff up, you ever hear like the, uh, the quarterback, and he's like, blue, gator, your mom is blue, or something. And, like they just start making up all these crazy things. Like even those things have a purpose, and there's like hidden messages in them, or it's just to confuse the defense. Everything has a, a purpose and an intention. And I think for many of us in our life, we struggle to really find purpose in all the details. We struggle to really find meaning in the day-to-day. And so I want to talk about that. We're, we're starting a series today called Life on Purpose. Proverbs tells us that a man makes his plans, but it's the Lord who directs or establishes his steps. Like, we, we got plans, and like, the teams are going to go into the game today, and they'll have all these great game plans that they've been installing for the past couple weeks. But once that game starts, things happen and sometimes the game plan gets thrown out. And I I would say in our life, sometimes maybe you've gone through a season where it feels like the game plan went out. It was supposed to look like this and then that happened. And so we have to kind of reevaluate. But here's what I I believe what the, the proverb says is true. Like we make our plans, but God is establishing. He'll direct every single step when we just fall into obedience in, in, um, in our lives. And so I want to talk about really this idea and kind of the, the, the thread that's going to be going throughout this series is purpose. And not just purpose, but I think if we got down just to the details of what that meant, intentionality, 
intentionality. Our growth groups are going to be kicking off this week, which are groups of three to four men and women that will, will go through Romans this year. And we're also having our, our workshops, which is a part of our, our anchor groups, uh, that are going to happen here for the next three Wednesdays. I said last week, if you're anything like me, you can't commit to do one night a week for the whole year. I just can't do it. But I can do, I can do it next three weeks. And so I'd invite you out. Be here, 6.30. Child care is taken care of. Uh, j- just show up. We're going to have just small groups here all together and just joining in a conversation about what does it look like to live intentionally? What does it look like to live on purpose? So we're just going to go a little deeper in conversation about that. But I want to turn to John chapter 4 this morning, if you'll turn there with me. John chapter 4, everybody's like, it'll be on the screen in just a second. I'll turn there. <laughs> turn my attention there. Uh, and, and we'll go and we'll read this here in just a minute, but I want to kind of paint some context for you. So many of you have heard this text before, some of you never before. But it's Jesus. And John, John is uh, writing, it's, it's a gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are done in chronological order. John's is not in chronological order. He runs with some larger themes. But one of the really powerful things we get here, what I believe is probably early in Jesus' ministry, is a, a journey, a road trip, if you will, from Judea around Jerusalem, the, the county of Jer- around Jerusalem, all the way up to Galilee, which is in the north. We see Jesus going on this journey. I feel like there's so much here in regards to purpose and intentionality that God has planned for us and for your life. And so I want to talk about that and dive in. He's, we're going to find in verse 4, and this is where we're going to land for the whole time. Um, I think it's on the next slide. He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Jacob's well was there. First, I'm looking for verse 4 is what I'm looking for there. Um, but it says that he had to go through Samaria. And I just want to land on this one verse, one verse, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Because if you know any of the historical context between Jews and Samaritans, while it was physically convenient, it was socially and culturally extremely inconvenient. Many would argue not wise to go through Samaria, but the scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. So I want to, to dialogue a little more about this. Now, he had to go through Samaria. There it is. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son. Let's keep kind of running context. I'm going to kind of paint a picture, and I'm just going to give you three simple things about when we live life on purpose. First, some of you guys will remember back, Samaria is actually a town that would be the capital of Israel for some time. But if some of you guys remember back to a message I did a little while back, we were talking about the 12 tribes of Jacob and, and, and how they were actually split at one point. Like God actually intentionally split them. Ten tribes that were being unfaithful to God and they never had a righteous king in all of their history. Always a, a, a wicked king. He kind of separated them off and they became known as Israel. With, and their capital became Samaria. So they were really wicked people who don't, didn't follow the Lord, were unfaithful to the Lord. And then he pulled off just two of the tribes Judah and Benjamin, and they became um, known as, as Judah. Later, later um, it'll, it'll be uh, brought back together, but this, it, this place, Samaria, comes from that lineage. And before that, it was Jacob's son, Joseph. He was actually sold out by his brothers. How many of you guys have ever been sold out before? He was literally sold by his brothers. And this plot of ground here, Samaria, was given to Joseph. This well 
was given. You can look back to Genesis chapter 37 to, to dig into that. So it has all this interesting history, but lying kind of in the heart of it is this tension between Jews and Samaritans. We're like, we just don't get along. And in, in, our, in our culture and, and in our city and in our nation, it's such a divided time. And, and Jesus' message to us here, his life is the message, right, is, is so deep to us when it comes to, to living life on purpose. And I want to explore that a little bit with you. First thing I think that I, we can see through this text that, that God is revealing to us is that when we live life on purpose, we discover meaning in the monotony we discover meaning in the monotony. Um, Jesus here is traveling with his disciples from Judea in the south all the way to Galilee in the north, and Samaria lies right in the middle. Samaria is about 30 miles from Judea. Think about that in a, in a journey. It's, it's really a full day's journey. I don't know if they broke it up or whatever, but, but they're stopping halfway. You ever get on a road trip? Anybody do road trips? And for me, when I drive, like, I am all about beating the clock. Like, I, I, I race, I calculate, like, whatever the GPS says it's going to be, I'm like, Psh, I, can beat an, I can take an hour off that. <laughs> Like, that's nothing. I'll tell you a funny story, and this has nothing to do with the message, but one time I, was, uh, I went to college nine hours from home, and my mom went to the same uh, university, and um, she, so she knew how long it took to get there. She dropped me off and knows how long. Well, one night I didn't, I told her, I called her at like noon. Um, that, it was a Wednesday, I remember. Called her at noon, and I was leaving right after my class ended, and I just took off. And I showed up, it's a nine-hour trip, and I showed up at like 7.15, and she was like flabbergasted and angry and like, like punching me, and like, I, I don't, it wasn't abuse, but it was like she was mad, she was mad at me, I'd be it, so anyway. We're, we're trying to beat the trip, and, and so we're, where we find Jesus and his disciples here are at the rest stop. If you're going to make that trip, you don't stop for, you stop for gas, you don't pee, you don't eat anything, you just go. And so that, now you know a little bit about me when it comes to trips. I want to get there fast. But there's meaning in the things that don't, don't matter. We don't really think about the rest stop or where we're going to stop necessarily. We just, we get there. And so we're there, and, and they, they went there on, on purpose with intention. And here, we're, we wouldn't think to find any kind of meaning or purpose for ministry in a scenario like this at a rest stop. We wouldn't strike up a conversation, particularly if that was, this was the part of town that mom and dad said, just don't go through there. I know, I know you want, like that's faster. It's probably smarter for you to go around. Think about this in like the most intense version we find maybe between Muslims and Jews in the Middle East somewhere. And that kind of dynamic is very similar to, to what we are uh, encountering here in the text so I know it's faster, it's physically convenient, not socially convenient. So I think God's wanting us to discover meaning in just the seemingly monotonous of life. And I think we begin to understand deep purpose when the things that were, didn't matter to us or were inconvenient to us now mean something to us. And I think at the root of it is a, a line that I want to talk about here in just a second. But before I do, I want to break you in with some knowledge. Um, you, anybody heard of life hacks? Life hacks? Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with life hacks and can't find enough of them. If you don't know what a life hack is, it is what it says it is. It's just an easier way or things. What I found is most of the time it's very common things that we didn't know had a purpose or had a use. 
My wife found this one out about a year ago. I don't know if anybody likes these. It's like the cheaper brand of LaCroix. Um, and so... Uh, and so this little tab is not just for opening, and some of you guys will know this, but it's actually so you never have to chase a straw again, you know, like you never have to, you never have to chase it. The little tab is actually for a straw to go in and it doesn't move as much. Anybody like these? No? Brian, you want one? Yeah, those things gross me out. People that, people that have been drinking soda water for years are like, where have you guys been the past 20 years? I've been drinking soda water forever. So that's one for you. Um, here's, a, here's another one. This one uh, blew me away. This hole is not just for hanging the pot, but check it out. A little, little pasta sauce dripping. Boom. Mine blown, right? Amazing. I hear it all the time from single folks. Like, it's so hard to cook for one person. I always make so much pasta, and I don't know what to do with it all. I can't eat it all. Well, did you know these, strainer, these pasta strainers actually have a hole in it, and it's not just for the water. It's about a single size of pasta. Right? Mine blown. You are welcome. So single folks, it's easy. You just got to cook pasta every day, and you're going to be good. You Use that. See? So mine's blown. There's all these... There's always things right in front of us that we don't realize have meaning, but they have meaning. They have purpose. And in your life, you maybe have been going through the motions and the monotonous parts of life. I know as a parent, like, it gets really monotonous. Every single night, it's the same routine. We eat, like, super early, senior adult hour, and then we, we go and, and wash, our, uh, wash the kids, you know, bathe them, except for those days we're like, they'll be fine, you know, um, which come way more than what I want to admit, right? Um, and then you do that, and then you get them ready for bed, and then it's this, it's a routine, and, and, and for all of us, we have a routine, and it just gets monotonous, but if we can just begin to hear God, like just what Jesus is doing here, just even in the rest stop, he's saying, like, there's, there's meaning here, and I think one of the biggest problems is that we put this invisible line between those things that we consider sacred, things that have purpose and have meaning or are set aside, and, and we draw this line here, and these are all these sacred things that have purpose, and on this side, it's all this other stuff, stuff that doesn't seem, I mean, taking my kid to the park or doing my taxes and all these things, like, who cares? And like, I, but this line that we put in the middle is what's keeping us, and it's just a mineral line there. It doesn't actually exist. And if we'll just take that tape and just rip it up in our life and realize that it, it all has purpose, it all has meaning, and some of them greater, some of them smaller, but God is looking into the details of your life, and he is in them. He's in them, and they matter, and they have meaning. And so I, it, it used to, to just tire me just to, to constantly be doing all the little things, but I just got to switch in my mind. I'm like, there is meaning in this. So let, let's move on from that, because I got two more points, and I'm taking too long. Um, so we discover, when we're living life on purpose, we discover that there's meaning in the monotony. Secondly, that we, d- we really um, begin to move outside of our comfort zone. We move outside of our comfort zone. This is one of those scenarios, again, physically convenient, socially, emotionally, and even in some ways, physically inconvenient. Inconvenient. The scriptures tell us that Jesus was tired. Fully God, he shows us when he is tired, he gets it. He was fully man too. So he's been, tra- he's been walking through the you know, Middle East seven, probably seven hours at this point, very early, and he meets this, this young lady 
Samaritan woman, and he was going to break all the rules here, all the social norms. He was just going to break them. And she'll, she'll lean into this, and she'll kind of tell us the story here of the context of what we're dealing with socially and culturally. She says, wait, what are you doing? Like, I'm a, I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew. Like, you're a man, and I'm a woman. So there's all these kind of shameful things that Jesus is doing. First, men and women didn't meet in public regularly. They didn't, they didn't meet regularly in public. They just wouldn't talk. Particularly, I mean, unless it was like a, a husband situation or a family member. But you wouldn't just have a normal conversation like I saw you in Walmart and, you know, we would just strike it up. Um, that, that wouldn't happen, especially with a, a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. Especially with a woman who had quite the promiscuous past as she did. Jesus will go on and say, you know, where's your husband? He's like... Come on, Jesus, you're messing with this girl. He knows that she doesn't, the guy she's living with now is not her husband, and she's had five other husbands. He knows that, that she's got this past. That's why she's there at midday. Right? We were in Guatemala, and they have these uh, little places. Um, I, I can't remember what they're called right now, but uh, they, the ladies would come out in the morning, morning, and they'd work till about midday, and they would leave, and they would just wash clothes. And they came in the morning because it was hot. And so she comes at midday to avoid all of that. Because, let's be real, it doesn't matter what culture you're in, there's a little gossip going on. She's a little bit ashamed in this town. So, but Jesus meets her right in this moment. But the, the scriptures say that he was weary. He was tired. And while some things are, I, I find that the, the greatest meaning is the stuff that's already in my path. It's right in front of me, but it's pushing past my comfort zone. My, my biggest example for this is with my kids, like just as a dad. Some of you aren't dads, but you, you might understand this one day, or you can apply it to something else. I come home, I'm physically, I'm mentally, I'm emotionally exhausted. Just a long day, and I come, and I just can't my butt on that couch. Like just for a minute, just to catch my breath. Usually turn on some sports or something, and I just sit back. And I got this super deep couch, so it's just laying back. And here come my boys, six and three, come running to me. Daddy, will you come out and play with me? And the first thing I want to say is, bro, I'm tired. And I've had to learn this over the past many years. That while that's physically inconvenient for me, like that is meaning in the monotony. That, that is deep meaning. And I need to move beyond my comfortable position to really begin to unearth it. And, and I want to pull something out here about when we move beyond our comfort zone. Because Jesus, right, we've got good excuses for why we don't. I've got every right, right? I'm tired. I've worked all day. So I've, got all the, I've got all the rules. I've got all the excuses here. But if you skip down to verses 31 through 34, his disciples are out getting some pizza for lunch or something, and they come back. It wasn't really pizza. It was probably calzone. But um, they, <laughs> they come back, and they're like, Jesus eats, eats some food. And he says, I have food you know nothing about. I've got meat. I've got sustenance that you, you don't understand. And he says, my meat, my food, my sustenance is to do the will of God. Who sent me. And in your life, when you are tired, when it's not socially or time efficient or whatever, if you'll just, if you'll just trust God and, and just maybe try this for the next 
three weeks or something. Try this out. And every single time it, it, it feels inconvenient, just press beyond it. Press beyond the inconvenience and see that, that time when I focus and I'm intentionally spending that time with my, my kids or with your spouse or if it's with a coworker that you don't have time to hear their story. Instead of cutting them off, you just slow down like Jesus did. Just listen. and See how God might use you and see if you don't walk away from all those monotonous, seemingly meaningless moments and walk away a little bit more filled up than what you started. And some of us are going empty because we're never slowing down for the meaningful moments that are right in front of us. And we're, we're running around, I'm hungry, and so I'm searching for the sustenance, and I'm searching for purpose in my job, and I'm searching for purpose in all the, maybe the wrong places, or maybe good places, but just not the greatest place. So move beyond the comfort zone. Again, the, the, it wasn't just physicality and, and exhaustion that he was experiencing here, all this cultural stuff. And Jesus was willing to bridge the gap there. There was something about, he had to. There was a burden of responsibility that had to. I talk about this all the time. I try to get actually people to think away from, I have to do this, have to you know, do this, I have to do this. I, think, I get to. Like it just changed, the words are important and it just changes a little perspective. I get to do this. I get to come and worship with my church family. I get to come and serve. I get to, to go play with my kids, right? A lot of people don't have that, that luxury. And so I've changed that. But looking at this text, there is a burden of responsibility that Jesus felt. And in teaching his disciples and in teaching us, he had to go through Samaria. And maybe in this room, we can just feel the weight of responsibility for those moments that we've been passing by, those things that weren't as comfortable. Because if you're like me, like I, I, I used to be really bad. I've gotten better, I think, with the help of the Lord and my wife. Because um, she talks to everybody in public. But I'm an introvert here. I look very extroverted about outside. I'm, I'm just very introverted. And so if I have a choice to have a conversation and not have a conversation, I'm going to choose I don't want to talk. <laughs> you know, it's just a part of personality. But God's been bringing me out of that all the time since I've been following him just constantly, just learning to grow out of that beyond the comfort zone because there's moments, there's moments that God has for me all along that path. So I just say whatever that looks like in your life, whatever that comfort zone is, whether it's striking up the conversation with the neighbor, whether it's, it's not time efficient to slow down and talk, this through with this coworker or, or sibling or, or parent. Slow down and, and find the, the meaning. Find the purpose. Do it intentionally. Because a lot of things we want to happen, but they just don't happen. Because I think we never really step back and, and do them intentionally. And, and it's just simply intentionally slowing down, intentionally opening myself up to what God might do today. Think of yourself like the disciples following Jesus. You didn't know where he was taking you. He just said, come, follow me. Very simply. The last thing here is not only that, that we would um, discover meaning in the monotony and where we would move beyond our comfort zone, but we would awaken the gift of God. Verses 9 and, and 10, she, Jesus says to her after she's saying, I'm thirsty. You know, how can you ask me to drink a water? He said, it's woman, <laughs> kind of abruptly. He says, I, I can give you living water. I can give you living water. For most of us, it feels like we just keep going to the well, keep going to the well, and always pulling up empty. 
But I, I believe that God doesn't want us to experience that. It feels like this giant roller coaster ride, and we're going to have emotional ups and downs. Like that's part of life and part of being human. We're going to have the ups and downs physically and spiritually and emotionally. But I think overall, there is this moving from glory to glory. There is this, overall, there's this faith that is being built that we understand the, the seasons. And I think here he says, if you, this very simple phrase, if you knew the gift of God that was standing right in front of you. If you just knew, if you just knew the gift of God that was right in front of you. And I just wonder how many weeks or months or years have gone by when we're searching for a gift that will fill us. We're, we're searching for the next toy where we won't have to buy another toy. It'll just satisfy us. We're searching for the next relationship that will just supply us and we won't ever have to search for another one. And Jesus, his statement is very profound to us. Search no more. If you just knew the gift of God that is literally right in front of you. Begins to just awaken our senses and awaken our spirit that everything that didn't matter and everything that was inconvenient now I'm, I'm just like looking at it like so differently. And, and, and that's a transformation that, that happens from the inside when we realize the gift of God that is right in front of us. I think the, the many times the forgotten part of this passage is what happens at the very end, at the end of John chapter 4. When he reads her mail and says all this stuff and he says, you know, there's a time coming and it's here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in, in, in spirit and in truth. You Jews worship what you, you, you um, know, but, um, or, or you worship on this mountain, but there's a time coming when we'll worship anywhere and everywhere. And what happens after this moment, after I believe the gift of God presented to her, I am this Messiah you've been searching for. I am this Savior. I, and just to, to jump over to John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way. I am the truth you're looking for. I am the life that you are looking for. Not through your career, not through the next relationship, not for the next toy, not for the next adventure. I am, Jesus says, I am the life. He is, and if you want an adventure, if you want a relationship, if you want to know success, find that life in him. Amen. And everything else just becomes different. It just becomes different. Stuff that was inconvenient, stuff that didn't matter, begins to matter. But what happens after he kind of shares that, this time is coming with worship and spirit truth, she runs back to her village. Scripture says she ran back, right? You get woke up and you're like, man, this is exciting. You want to tell somebody about it. She runs back to her town. And the scriptures don't say much about what happened there. But Jesus, when his disciples came back, he said, open your eyes. Open your eyes. The fields are ripe for harvest. They're ripe for harvest. Some of us in this room, like we haven't experienced and encountered and received the gift of God that is right in front of us. And maybe we are in this very moment, but maybe just as quickly as she understood and received that gift and ran back and was inspired to share it with others. I just dream about what God did through this woman. <laughs> through a guy that wasn't supposed to talk to her, most people would say he should go around. I just wonder 
what God did through this woman. She tells. And so I, I believe it's our, part of our journey as Christ followers to awaken people to the gift of God. And we do that in God's timing, not our own, right? We go out hitting people with Bibles and trying to convince them. God's planted seed of faith that we're just there to, to water. And it's going to be him that makes it grow. But how will we know unless, unless we go? How will we know unless we haven't received that gift of God for ourselves? And I, I don't know about you, but I, I searched far and wide to find that thing which would satisfy. I searched for the next success. I searched for it, next relationship, the next ministry opportunity. There's nothing else. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the, he's the life. The life is in him. He's the gift of God that stands right before us today. So my prayer for you, my challenge to you over the next three weeks, just, just pray, pray this out and, and, and try to live this out as we're diving into this. Because they say three weeks is like a habit if you can do it. Just explore and discover the meaning in all the monotony. move beyond your comfort zone, like all those times like when not convenient, busy, got, we've got all excuses. Let's just not, not let ourselves give the excuses. Just like let's press through over the next three weeks. And I just wonder what God might do. I wonder if it'll be anything like what happened in this woman's life where she goes running. Come see this man who told me everything about me. So I want to ask you to stand. These guys are going to lead us in a, a beautiful song this morning to just challenge us and praying that God would lead us. And so if you'll just bow your heads with me. And I did this last week, and I think I'm just going to make it a practice. I just want you to maybe just lift up your hands in some way and just a, just a, a symbol, a physical symbol. God, I'm open, and I'm listening to what you're saying in my life right now. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for doing what was inconvenient so that I might know the gift of God that is right before me. God, thank you for being willing to go to the outcast because at one point that outcast was me. Thank you for your acceptance and love. God, I thank you that there is nothing under the sun, God, that does not have intentions and purpose that we do not understand and we cannot comprehend. God, and I just pray we're never going to understand, we're never going to fathom that all, but God, we trust that you're sovereign, you know what you're doing. And I just pray purpose, God, I pray a, a, breathe, um, a breathing in today of meaning in all the little things, God, I, I pray for a people that will be bold to go beyond what is comfortable and go beyond what is convenient, that we might know and be able to say the same thing. My, will, my food, my meat, my sustenance is to do the will of God who sent me, the cross before me, the world behind, God. We'll follow you. Lead us on today, God. Lead us on.